Hi, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. A podcast where we learn, where we grow, where we study, and where we try to become the best versions uh, of ourselves for the Lord. Uh, today's episode of When the Scriptures Become Real is we want to talk about keep going, you're going to get through. Keep going, you're going to get through. Uh, you know, how many of us at times have felt like, you know, we've had enough? You know, how many of us have felt like, you know, no matter what situation you're going through, that you can't get through it. You know, you try, you've held on for this long, uh, but still you feel like you're not strong enough to get through. Still you feel like there's no way you can get through. There's there's no way you can you can solve the problem. There's It just feels like there's there's no hope for you. You know, if any of that stuff that we just said describes you right now, this podcast is specifically for you today. And so keep going you're going to get through. And we're going to look at some specific examples uh, in the Old Testament. But I want to start with our text first in the New Testament. If you will, grab your Bibles. And again, if you're new to the podcast, if you're just listening, we use the Bible uh, to answer our questions. We use the Bible as our text, as our source, really as our commentary as well. The Bible has everything that we need. And so uh, grab your phone, tablet, Wherever you can find a Bible, go on and grab it. Let's study uh, the scriptures together. So let's start in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And, you know, sometimes Bibles have headings uh, above the chapters. And my specific heading for this one says an exhortation to faith, to patience, and to godliness. And that's exactly what the Hebrews writer is going to talk to us here in chapter 12. Let's actually start. And verse number, uh, verse number five of chapter 12. And here's what the Bible says. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges. Every son whom he receiveth. For if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are ye all partakers, then are ye all bastards and not sons. Furthermore, when we have had fathers in our own flesh which corrected us, we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father's spirits and live? For verily for a few days after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but it seems grievous. But nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now there's a lot to get into with this text, but let's kind of start at the beginning. Verse number five. I love how the Hebrews writer starts this. It says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation. I think that describes us sometimes because what we do, we end up being like Peter. I remember when Peter tried to walk on the water and he saw all the things going around on him, but didn't focus on Christ. We let our own problems become our idols. what, What does that mean? Well, we look so much. And we look so deeply into the current problem that we're dealing with 
that we allow that to become our idol in terms of we feel like it can't be solved. We feel like sometimes that God can't even solve it. And once you get caught in that hole, that's exactly where Satan wants you. And he's going to keep you there forever. And you're always going to stay there. And instead of focusing on Christ, you're going to focus too much on other things that don't need to be focused on. And so we end up being just like the people here who the Hebrew writer is talking to. Sometimes we have forgotten the exhortation that was spoken to us. We've forgotten that we have someone that really can help. And one thing I think that's so special, and it's a really, it's a hard question that I've had to ask myself and that you have to ask yourself in your problem. You have to ask yourself, can God solve this? And if you think he can't, then you know that you've forgotten the exhortation. You've forgotten what the scripture says. And essentially, you've forgotten about the power of God. And so the first thing in trying to help solve our problems is we cannot forget the exhortation that God loves his children. You know, sometimes we think the problems that we're going to, that God's forgotten us. The problems that we're going through, God's just left us out on this island by ourselves and there's nothing we can do. You know, we, we distance our own selves from God because of our problems. And that's our first mistake. But we cannot forget the exhortation. Now, let's keep going with the text. And ye have forgotten the exhortation, watch, which speaketh unto you as children, saying, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. And so notice, he says, when that chastening comes in your life, when you're, when you're, Faith is tested. Do not despise the chastening of God and don't faint when you're rebuked of him. You know, that's exactly what Satan wants from us. When these problems and these trials and these afflictions are put into our lives, Satan wants to up the problem to the point to where we quit and we've had enough. Think about Job taking away everything from him, everything that a man values in this life, Satan took away. I took away your health. I took away your money. I took away your name. I took away your respect. I took away your family. I took away the respect and the support of your wife. Everything that a man values and everything that a man in this life needs to feel like and be a man, Satan took away. And Satan was trying to do everything to make Job quit. And that's exactly what he wants to do to you. In your situation today, I don't know what it is, but he wants you to quit. And he wants you to faint. But notice what the Bible says here. Don't despise it when that chastening comes and don't faint when you're rebuked of him. Why? Verse 6, for whom the Lord loveth, what does he do? He chastens and he scourges every son who he, who, whom he receives. So the Lord loves you. That's why you're going through this chastening. 
Well, well, how can you say that? Let's go to that example we talked about. Hold your finger there in Hebrews and turn over to Job. Turn over to Job and we're going to look at verse uh, chapter 23 first. And then we're going to look at another verse in Job later. But notice uh, chapter 23 of Job. And uh, let's start in verse 9. Uh, let's actually start in verse 8. It says, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. I go backwards, and I can't perceive him. You ever felt like that before? I try to go forward in my life, but it still feels like God's not there. I try to go backwards, but I can't see him. It still feels like he's not there. You ever feel like no matter what you do, no matter how far you go, or sometimes no matter how far you look back, you always ask, where's God? Is he there? Does he see? Does he care? Is he going to do anything? Job's feeling that same way here. Keep going. Verse 9. On the left hand, where he does work, but I can't behold him. He hides himself. I can't. I don't know where you are. And on the right hand, I, I can't see him. But watch this. Verse 10 is very special. But even though I feel like he's not there, even though I look to my right hand, I don't feel he's there. On my left hand, I don't feel he's there. In front of me, I don't feel he's there. Behind me, I don't feel like he's there. But, verse 10, he knows the way that I take. And when he's tried me, just like we talked about in Hebrews 12, I shall come forth as gold. How amazing is that? You see, sometimes in our trials, we feel like God's not there. Or sometimes we ask, well, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow this to happen? I thought you were God. I thought you cared. Why did you let this happen to me? I, I did the best that I could. God knows the way that you take. He knows the path for you. But the question is, through whatever specific trials you've gone through in the past, present, and maybe in the future, do you trust that God knows the way that you take? Even though you can't see the path ahead of you or on the side of you, do you believe that God knows what he's doing? And when he's tried you, you shall come forth as gold. Now, really quick, let's jump. Let's jump to uh, to uh, Hebrews or not Hebrews, Job chapter thirteen and verse fifteen. Same sentiment here, but a little different. Notice this: though he slay me, though he's taken away all this from me, yet I will trust in him, and I will maintain my own ways before him, and he shall be my salvation. For a hypocrite shall not come before him. And so going back to Hebrews chapter 12. Whom the Lord loveth. Verse number 6. He chastens and he scourges every son he receives. Why does God do that? Why does he scourge and why does he chasten us? He does that. So we can be more like him. So we can be holy. Notice verse 7. For if you endure, if you get through that chastening, 
God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if ye be without chastisement, then ye are bastards and not sons. Verse 9, we've had fathers of our own flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? You see, our physical fathers, yes, they corrected us and we reverenced them. And sometimes they corrected us just because they wanted to. But our Father in heaven, the Father of spirits, he corrects us. And every single correction that he sends, it's a pinpoint for you to get better. And he knows exactly what you need. You see, a parent has the ultimate love for you, but they're still human. They don't know exactly to a T, 1000% perfect, what's perfect for you. They don't know that. They want that, but they don't know it. The father wants it and he knows it. And he sends that specific trial for you so you can get better, so you can receive it. But the question is, will you trust him? Even when things don't make sense. That's the hardest part of, of chastisement. Especially when the chastisement and when the affliction, when the trial is a long period of time. You try to find answers of why this happened. But instead of trying to find answers. Instead of trying to rack your brain on why you think things happened the way that they did. Do you trust God? That's what it boils down to. Do you trust God? Now let's keep going. Verse 11. Now, no chastisement for the present seems to be joyous. Watch, but it's grievous. You know, the trial that you're going through right now, or that you've gone through, it wasn't fun, was it? No, it's not fun. The Bible even says it's not joyous. It's grievous. It's not a fun thing to go through. But you need it. You know, there was a there was a story uh, that I read of a couple that walked into an antique shop and they saw this this teacup under the light and this teacup looked beautiful. But then the teacup turned around and began to talk. And the teacup said, well, do you want to know how I became this beautiful? And the couple said, yes. And he said, I remember when I was just a piece of clay and I was sitting on the table and the master came. And he threw me against the wall and he threw me against the floor and then he threw me against the wall again. And I screamed out, stop, it hurts. I can't take it anymore. But the master said, not yet. And then after he threw me against the wall, he put me on a pottery wheel and everything began to spin. And I said, stop, it's, I can't take it. But the master still said, no, not yet. And then he formed me into this cup and he put me on a sheet and then I had peace for a while. I thought I was okay. But then he put me in the oven and the fire burned and I yelled, please stop, please stop. But the master still said, no, not yet. And then he took me out and he put me away to cool. And I was great for a while. But then he put me back in the oven. And he put the fire twice as hot as it was the first time. 
and I was screaming out to the master, Master, please stop. I can't take this. It's too much. It's too much for me. I will, I will die in this fire. And the master looked through the fire and he said, no, not yet. And he took me out and he began to put this paint on me. And the paint was suffocating. And I felt like I couldn't take it anymore. And I yelled up to the master and I said, stop. And the master said, no, not yet. And then the master set me in front of a mirror. And he told me to open my eyes. And I looked. And I saw that I wasn't an old piece of clay anymore. I saw that I was a beautiful antique cup that was desirable to the eye to see. What lessons did I learn? The cup said this. I needed to be thrown around on the wall and on the door and on the floor so that when I got on the pottery wheel that I could be moldable. And then when I was on the pottery wheel, the Lord needed to move me around and stretch me up and down so I could be subject to his will. Then when I was formed into a cup and put into the oven and then taken out and put back in again, I needed that fire so I can solidify myself and I could be strong and I wouldn't crumble. And I needed all of that so I could become exactly what the master wanted me to be. You see, you and I are the Lord's workmanship. And sometimes, sometimes he has to put us through pain, through fire, and through whatever, so we can become better than what we think we can become. But the question is, through your trial now, will you quit? Will you feel sorry for yourself? Or will you take this? And grow from this. Here's a list. Of four things. That trials should bring to you. To make you more like God. Number one. Trials should bring patience. Sometimes in your trials and your afflictions. Sometimes there's absolutely. You know as humans we want to fix things. So when something's wrong. Or when something's happened, we want to find a way to fix it to make it better. With what we do, with our minds, with whatever, we want to fix it. But sometimes there will be situations where you cannot do anything. You cannot fix it. And it can't be what it was. But sometimes there's nothing you can do but wait. One thing that that fire of trial should bring you is patience. Then after patience, number two, trials should bring endurance. See, sometimes since you have to wait, that trial will test how long you can last. When you go through adversity, that test will really see how much you love God. And God will really see how much you love him. Will you endure through it or will you faint? Then number three. Trials should bring compassion. Trials, it teaches you 
how to love people despite their imperfections. You know, think about Job. Think about Joseph. Specifically, now, think about Joseph. All the people that did him wrong when he was trying to do the right thing. And they did him wrong behind closed doors, and they did him wrong in his face. But do you ever see Joseph being vindictive towards those people? You ever see Joseph angry at those people? He had every right to be, but was he? You see, Joseph, people forget when he was in second, when he became second in command, Potiphar's wife was still alive. His brothers were still alive. His father was still alive. All those people in jail he was with and the people that forgot him were still alive. Joseph could have went on a purge and had everyone that did him wrong killed or punished in some type of way for what they did to him. But Joseph had compassion on people. Trials teaches you how to love people better despite their imperfection and despite yours. And then number four, the list of things that trials should bring. Trials should bring inner strength. Meaning, by getting through that specific trial, you will see that you can do more than what you thought you could do. And then when the next one comes, you'll be that much stronger because you have a reference to look back to. I got through that when I didn't think I could. And so this new one that's on my plate, I'm going to do it again. And then whatever's presented in front of me again, I'll do it again. And I'll do it again and again and again. But going back to Hebrews chapter 12, notice the chastening, verse 11, it's not joyous, but it's grievous. It's not fun. But nevertheless, afterwards, just like that list we talked about, it lists the peaceable fruit of patience. It lists or it yields the peaceable fruit of patience. It yields the peaceable fruit of endurance, of compassion, of inner strength, and the fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. It's there if you're willing to look for it. When you go through your trials, I challenge you to do this. And I've had to learn this through mine. Instead of asking why too much, ask what. What can I learn from this? How can I become better? How can this make me stronger for the next time this comes up? How can I be better? It yields a peaceful uh, fruit of righteousness. So verse 12, wherefore, since you know all this now, instead of wallowing in your sorrows and feeling sorry for yourself and always playing the victim card of why me and why did this have to happen and all that stuff, it says, get up, lift up your hands again which hang down. Lift your feeble knees. Get back up again. Make straight the path of your feet. Start walking again. Lest that which is lame turn out of the way. Let, but let it rather be healed. Get back up. And instead of wallowing in your trial, walk through it. You know, as one said that <clears throat> the eagle... And the Bible references the eagle and it says that we will soar like it in Isaiah. 
But the eagle, the thing about this bird is that it can fly higher than any other bird. But the thing about flying higher than any other bird is that you're closer to the storm. But the thing about the eagle is that when the storm comes, it doesn't go back down where all the other pigeons and little birds are. It stays up by itself and it keeps going through the storm. Sometimes as Christians, and this is the sad part about it, but it's it's just real. It's reality. Even among your Christian brethren, sometimes in your trials, you will have to fly alone. Sometimes you won't get texts of encouragement. Sometimes you won't get, you know, a word of encouragement from someone, from people. Sometimes you won't get that. And when you don't get that from people, are you going to faint? Are you going to quit? Sometimes you have to be... This is the thing about Christianity today. You have to be strong by yourself. That's just as simple as it is. You have to learn how to be strong on your own. Because as Christian, if you're doing things the right way, naturally you're just going to draw people away from you. And naturally you're just going to draw other Christian people away from you. And you have to be okay with that. And you got to be willing to fly on your own. Well, how can you say that, Jordan? That doesn't sound very loving. That doesn't sound very Christian. Was Jesus by himself? The disciples that followed him for three and a half years, the first sign of real, real trouble for Christ, what does the scripture say? And the disciples, his friends that were there with him, what does it say? They forsook him and fled. He's by himself. So if that happens to the master, how come you don't think it can happen to you? Now, just like the scripture says, is it joyous to be alone? No. Is it fun to be alone? No. Is it the most exciting life to be alone? No. It's not. It's grievous. But when you go through things on your own sometimes, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. It helps you to become strong. It helps you to become better and it helps you to become more like God. And so imagine you have one strong person that goes through that stuff alone and another strong person who goes through their specific trials with God alone and they get together. Imagine the power that those two can. That's it. It's amazing. And that's something I hope for. That's something I hope you hope for if you're in that situation. But you can't quit. And here's here's one here's one final thought before we close. I want you to think about your specific trial you're going through right now. And I want you to think if today you've had enough and if today you absolutely quit. What if, just hypothetically speaking, what if today was the day you quit, but tomorrow was the day the Lord was going to deliver you? If you knew that, would you quit today? You know, here's the thing about 
about Christianity and not quitting for us. And this is why the Bible calls us to endure. Because if we endure, we can make it and we can get the promise. Specifically, think about Joseph. All those bad things happened to him over and over and over. I mean, this, it was simultaneous. It just happened. Same thing with Job. But at any point in time, what if Joseph would have quit when his brothers threw him away? What if he would have quit when he was thrown in prison? What if he quit when he was accused of doing something with Potiphar's wife that he didn't do? What if he quit during any point in time in his life? Joseph would not have become second in command and he would not have become what God needed him to be. If you quit today, no matter how long this trial has been going on for you, you will never know what it feels like to win and to get through it. And so my challenge for you today is don't quit because God needs you to keep going. Even if you don't understand, even if you don't get it, even if you don't agree, it doesn't matter. You can put whatever situation you want in that blank. It doesn't matter. Don't quit so you can receive the promise. Don't quit. Don't faint. Though he slay me, the Bible says, I will trust in him. And I hope you'll do the same thing today. That was uh, it was a that was a really good study for me. I, I love that chapter, and you know I just don't want to see people quit. You know because I I was there before, and I don't want to quit. I don't want to see you guys quit. I want to see you keep going, keep pushing, keep being the best version of yourself that you can be for the Lord because he's just trying to make you more like him. So keep going, don't quit, and the Lord will always take care of you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'll continue to do more, uh, more great things in the way. I uh, hope you continue to keep doing better and uh, continue to grow your faith. Thank you.